Hello, I'm Gail Gibson, accredited master coach, speaker, author, and podcaster. Welcome to my podcast, The Can Do Way. My guests from across the globe have can-do stories of growth, resilience, and success to share. Tune in and be inspired by these individuals who have developed a strong can-do approach. Each one of their stories is unique. Each one of their stories has a key message. In this episode, I'm talking to Andrew Parker, trainer, coach and podcaster. From a career spanning 20 plus years, Andrew's career has mostly been spent in B2B commercial and strategic roles leading large global change and transformation projects, key account management and B2B marketing and sales roles. A corporate survivor, in 2018, Andrew started his own management consulting, coaching and training company, Wasabi Consulting. He also started a passion project called The Anxious Executive to help fellow introverts understand and embrace their introverted superpowers. Andrew is also an adjunct lecturer at Nanyang Technological University in Singapore. He has been interviewed on the importance of emotional intelligence at work on radio station Channel News Asia 938. So welcome to the show today, Andrew. Thank you, Gail. Great to be with you. Wonderful. If we can take a short walk through your life to start with, and if you can share your background and how you arrived at helping organisations develop the right skills and create the right customer experiences for success. Mm, happy to. I think you put it best, uh, Go, when you describe me as a corporate survivor. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things that uh, I have done uh, is be able to uh, develop a, a career uh, in the corporate uh, world, primarily for manufacturing organisations, and you, uh, during your introduction, uh, shared some of that, uh, that experience. So I guess I, I finished... Uh, high school, wasn't sure what I quite wanted to do, ended up doing an arts degree, kind of took me to uh, some different roles in different uh, organisations, and then went back to university in my mid to late 20s to do uh, an MBA part-time. And I guess that's kind of the can-do attitude that I took at the time uh, to developing my career. I felt that I needed a better business background. Uh, That led to uh, a number of roles with uh, different organisations, and uh, I've been fortunate enough to be able to uh, live and work having started my career in Australia, but live and work in uh, Belgium, Switzerland, and uh, more recently in Singapore. Uh, and that's how I've, uh, I've come to, to be here today. I've made lots of mistakes uh, during my corporate life, but I've also hopefully like to think that I've done lots of uh, great things as well. Uh, but I think both uh, from mistakes and your successes uh, comes the sense of uh, both who you are uh, and the ability to actually um, help others uh, and help corporates uh, in their journeys as well. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. You know, it is it's the mistakes we make that really teach us so much and it can take us on new paths that we probably never thought existed at that time, but they can often reveal so much more for us, can't they? So, Indeed. I had a leader who used to refer to, and I love this expression, I still use this today, it was the first time I'd ever worked for a leader who used to talk about scar tissue mm-hmm. and I was introduced to that by him 15 or 20 years ago, and I still love that expression today uh, that I'm happy to share my scar tissue, uh, mm-hmm. and I think that's really important. Yes, yeah. It's, it's the knocks 
the knocks are the biggest learning points, I think. So before we go on to ask you some questions about your career and talk about some of perhaps the challenges you've faced and the change that you have brought about, just um, tell me, how did the name Wasabi Consulting come about? <laughs> it's a really good question and uh, it's a real point of differentiation, I should say, Gail. I get that question a lot. And uh, as people may see from uh, any photographs that uh, may accompany the, the podcast, I don't have any uh, Japanese uh, heritage at all. <laughs> but I found that lots of companies were being started and the company would either be the founder's name or names or, or some sort of uh, family name or acronym. <laughs> and if truth be told, my then 10-year-old son, Nicholas, actually thought of the company name. We were walking one day and he just came up with the name, what about Wasabi Consulting? And I loved it because it is a point of differentiation. Lots of people talk about it and ask about it. Uh, and so when the company was actually founded, I got him some business cards. Uh, and for the title, it says, I thought of the company name. <laughs> Wonderful. That's a beautiful story to tell. And, and oh, I love the creativity of children. And I guess for me, when I hear the word Wasabi, it's that it's that little something that gives you its it's something hidden and then it gives you the kick that you need right at the end. So I guess that's perhaps what you do in your in your consulting and your coaching as well. You give those leaders um, a small taste of what can be and then they get that kick at the end when they make those changes in themselves. Indeed. And I like to think, uh, and if I put my sales hat on for a moment, I like to think and pitch it that we're, we're quite small and strong and, and mm -hmm. powerful, uh, just like uh, Wasabi. So that's the way I would uh, spin it, uh, so to speak. Fantastic. That's wonderful, wonderful. And uh, I hope your son gets a very good position in your company as well, not just for being the person who chose the name. So, Well, I'm lucky to have two sons, so uh, they can both have a position at some point. There we go. There we go. Wonderful, wonderful. So when you talk about being a corporate survivor, Andrew, tell me a bit more about that. What led to that time of change and the challenge that you were facing right then and there? There was quite a few things, Gail. I really enjoyed my corporate work. I'd really enjoyed uh, working across different uh, cultures and, and challenging myself and getting things done despite the odds. I'd always had a passion and, and an interest in, I guess, two things. One was helping others, but secondly, I also wanted to and had a burning desire that I'd, I'd hid for many, many years to actually start my own business. And so through a whole range of uh, different factors, I was uh, doing a lot of uh, international travel. I was sometimes away for three, if not four weeks uh, every month. So my family were living in uh, Singapore uh, and I was traveling in uh, Dubai or to the Middle East, uh, Turkey, Russia, Africa, et cetera. And that was really, really draining. And I found through the constant fog of jet lag and work, customer facing work, client-facing work uh, and working with, uh, with my teams in those different countries, that I just wasn't being challenged and I just felt that there was something else that I wanted to do. So rightly or wrongly, uh, in my mid-40s, I started my own business. I was just tired from lots of uh, international travel. I'd been in a situation uh, where there was uh, a terrorist attack uh, in the city in Turkey in which I was uh, staying. Fortunately, I was quite a, way, a long way away from that, but it was very close to my uh, hotel. And at that point, I decided that maybe there's something else I, I should or could be doing. 
And so I felt unfulfilled for, for many years uh, in the corporate world and wanted to try and go it alone and to really prove myself uh, in the world and I guess in some respects against the world. It's a very um, familiar story to a lot of the work that I've done helping people through that career transition and that that step from, from corporate into working for themselves. But I love the fact that you said there were some very clear points that were almost jumping out in front of you to say, is it a time for change? Is there something else out there for me? So what was the first thing that you did to be able to give yourself the space and time to step into what came next, the consulting company that you've now uh, created? The first thing I did was give myself time to think, and it took me a long time to reach that decision. Uh, I remember very vividly uh, preparing to go to work on a Sunday night. Uh, and there's no fun having a shave on a Sunday night to go to the airport to catch a plane to be somewhere else on a Monday morning. It sounds really glamorous, mm-hmm. uh, but it's not. And I clearly remember that uh, that period of time. And I decided that rather than maybe sleep or do some work on the way home, that that was a really good time to start to think about what my future looked like. And so I just started jotting down some ideas on a notepad. Uh, and then eventually over time, I used to use the flights home to actually uh, build a business plan. Uh, and I discussed that business plan uh, with my uh, my family, uh, with uh, my father, and just constantly worked at it, but at a pace that I was really comfortable. And that probably took about 12 months or so to get to that uh, that point. And then actually having the conversation with my employer was really, really difficult I was very fortunate and still fortunate that my former employer actually became a customer uh, of uh, Wasabi Consulting and, uh, and mine. So I had a lot of great support, both from a family perspective, uh, but also from uh, an employer and now customer uh, mm. perspective. But that process for me took a really long time. It wasn't a, a snap judgment. It was more of a slow burn. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when I hear that, you know, sometimes people are quite reactive and they can jump into things before they're actually ready and before they've actually seen what is actually around them. So you obviously the communication that you said you had with your family and the fact that you had the communication with your employer and then the subsequent support as well. What do you think was the highest benefit during that process of being so open in your communication with both sides of it? I think that I, the thing that I most benefited from and the benefits of that process created was that I felt that I'd had the right conversations at the right time Mm -hmm. and that I'd done this with both respect for myself, but also respect for others. And as much as the temptation sometimes is there, and and you probably work with clients on topics like this too at times, Gail, that you just want to blow things up in order to to move on. Mm -hmm. I couldn't do that. Uh, I couldn't afford to uh, to do that both um, financially, uh, emotionally, uh, professionally. And having the guidance of others and being able to have the right conversations to have other people challenge me to think about the right decision uh, really uh, helped. Uh, and I think it also gave me the confidence uh, as well that this was the right thing for, for me. But one of the benefits was that I was able to 
resign in the right way and still be able to continue to remain professional. Uh, and that was really important for me to, to do that and to finish uh, things in the right way, uh, both in terms of my corporate career, uh, but it also it was a much slower ramp up to start my uh, new organisation. Uh, and there were some of the benefits that uh, came from having those sort of uh, conversations and, and doing it at a really comfortable pace. Mm-hmm. Yes, it's the, I think, you know, the way that you have talked through the process, I think will really engage with listeners too who perhaps are facing a similar time of change in their own lives and they're in a job that they are no longer being challenged by or perhaps it's a toxic environment they're in and they have got this other dream or an idea in their minds that now is the time I want to make that change. But by not just taking the leap and jumping in feet first is to actually perhaps follow your lead and be guided by conversations, by thinking and giving yourself that same space. So thank you for sharing the process that you went through. So the next stage I wanted to ask you, you got started and you have been now running this consultancy since 2018. So what would you say have been a couple of the risks that you have taken? And you you did mention before that you've made mistakes along your journey as well in your corporate career, as well as perhaps in this business world as well. So what were some of those risks that you took and how did you overcome them Mm. to be able to learn from them as a result? I guess there's two risks that really stand out, uh, Gail, and I'll come back to the starting my own business in my 40s uh, in a moment. I think one of the, I guess, most significant risks I took, at least in my professional life, was to accept a two-year expat placement. And so I, my family and I were living and working in the Melbourne uh, in Australia. And I'd been working in a corporate role that saw me do a lot of uh, travel. Uh, I was working for a, a global uh, company at the time. And I was offered a two-year expat placement to Brussels, uh, which was a fantastic opportunity. And uh, I jumped at that, so did my family. Uh, And we thought uh, it was going to be a two-year expat placement where we'd go, we'd have fun for two years, maybe three at a pinch, and we would uh, return back to uh, Australia. Uh, That was 15 years ago, (laughs) and I haven't quite made it back to uh, Australia uh, since. And so the risks that I, I took was to live and work in a very, very different uh, culture, uh, in a culture where English uh, wasn't uh, the first language. The business language was uh, English, but certainly uh, living in uh, Belgium, there was the mix of uh, both Flemish and, uh, and French. And it taught me to be really resilient. And every expat placement I've had since has taught me to be really resilient in all sorts of different ways. It's taught me to for example, be really patient with bureaucracy, uh, to be really patient with, uh, with government red tape, um, to be really organised. Uh, it taught me to ask others for help, which I'd really been reluctant to do. Uh, it taught me to check in on what I thought was happening, but to really uh, ask for cultural translation, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. uh, from, uh, from the locals. Um, and I guess, Gail, most of all and most importantly, it actually taught me to laugh at myself uh, and that, that's built resilience. I, my French is not particularly good and, and I couldn't work out why uh, every Sunday when I went to the, uh, the bakery or the boulangerie, why the people behind the counter would laugh at me. And it's because I was pronouncing my um, 
French word for raisin and reason differently. So effectively, uh, I was asking for a loaf of bread with a reason uh, <laughs> every Sunday rather than, than raisins or raisin. Wonderful. <laughs> so they're, they're things that you just have to laugh at yourself. Uh, and uh, th- that is a risk that re- leads to some reward in the end uh, as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's so relatable, you know, being a fellow traveller myself and living in different situations as well. I think resilience is one of those keys. It's about being flexible. It's about being adaptable to your situation. And I also think what we have all learned as humanity over the last few years of what we've all gone through collectively is um, I think the point you raised about taking notice of what's being said perhaps in regional news, local news and things like that and what's actually really going on. So just having that um, sense of taking a step back and really reviewing what you're hearing before you actually make any decisions or have any thoughts on particular subjects. So I, I love the fact that you shared that. And perhaps if you could now go on to the um, the other part you were going to talk about, the other risk that you were going yes, to mention sure. before. That was really around uh, starting my own business in the uh, mm. mid-40s. So uh, we've, we've covered uh, some of that. But one of the things that I've really found enjoyable through that process, and I guess in some respects, Gail, it's been both the best of times and the worst of times, <laughs> uh, but I've learned how to do things that I would never have expected uh, how to do. Uh, so I built my own website and I maintain my own website, uh, for example. I do all the company uh, financials. I do the business development. Uh, I do the coaching work. I do the consulting work. Uh, and these are all really, really good things that I, I would never ordinarily have uh, had the opportunity to, to do. Uh, so I like to think I'm a, a jack of all trades, uh, so to uh, to speak. But even pushing myself out of my boundaries uh, fairly recently through my coaching training, I was able to uh, uh, connect with a, a fellow coach and, and now friend and we run a, a podcast that you mentioned uh, as mm-hmm. well at the start. But even doing things like editing my own podcasts, I would never have thought about that. Uh, and so there's some of the, the benefits that come from taking some of those risks. And so from those two very significant professional risks I've taken to um, move and live overseas uh, and move away from my home country uh, and to uh, start my own business, I think that's really created uh a much greater sense of um, uh, resilience uh, within uh, myself uh, and uh, I don't regret it. Uh, It's been a really uh, interesting uh, uh, opportunity uh, and uh, I've learned a lot about myself and uh, about uh, the business world through that process. You're a perfect example of the skills development you talk about there, Andrew, of that whole can-do mindset. You know, you just said... This is a, a new area that I want to explore. You've got curious and by embracing all of the skills that are involved and learning how to build a website and learning how to do your own business development and coach and now taking on the podcast, it's exciting. It keeps you on your toes, but it it does really push you further and further out of your comfort zone. It does. And I've never been one of those people who can go to work and do the same thing day in, day mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Uh, even when I was in the corporate world, I liked to change roles every 18 months or two years mm-hmm. because I liked fresh challenges. Uh, but every day is different now. As you would know from owning your own uh, business, uh, you could be recording a podcast in the morning and uh, uh, you could be uh, doing a sales pitch in the evening uh, mm-hmm. and running a coaching session in between. 
That's um, right. These are all things that uh, we learn to do and, and love to do. Yes, that's right. And I think the word variety and choice jumps in there, or both those words, and I, I absolutely thrive on both of those. I love to be doing a mix of things, making sure that I'm not overwhelming myself with too many too many things that are going on, but at the same time it's the, the choice of doing different things that really, really inspires my work as well and it just it opens up so much creativity and I'm, I'm sure you feel that too, that it can spur on new ideas and new perhaps collaborations or new programs that you might bring into your consultancy work that you do. Mm, it does, it does, and it exposes you to all sorts of different people as well, mm-hmm. uh, and that's what I've really uh, enjoyed. Uh, and there's a real can-do attitude, not only to just getting uh, the business started, but actually doing business and doing things for uh, for yourself. Um, if you adopt that can-do attitude, you can actually do quite a lot for a very small amount of money uh, if you're uh, you're willing to uh, just have a go and, uh, and try it. Uh, and there's lots of people that um, can help you uh, through that process uh, as well. Great advice, great advice. So I'm curious then, the anxious executive, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, one of the challenges that I've had in my corporate uh, life, Gail, or had in my corporate life was sometimes not respecting or understanding or even embracing my own introverted nature. Mm -hmm. I always thought that to be quiet, and this was taught to me really early in my career, that to be quiet meant that there was something wrong with you. And I developed my career as we, or you shared earlier, particularly in in sales and marketing and strategy roles, which meant I was quite often in front of customers or doing negotiations. And I was never the loudest person in the room. And I used to worry that that was both the wrong thing for myself and the wrong thing for my career. And so I used to try and hide my introverted uh, nature. But that meant that come a Friday night, I would collapse on the couch absolutely exhausted <laughs> and not be able to do every, anything or anything that I wanted to do because uh, I'd effectively been somebody else and I'd given all of my energy to the rest of the world and the organisations that I work for from Monday morning through to, uh, to Friday afternoon. And I was absolutely spent at the end of, uh, of each week. And so one of the things that happened, and I was talking earlier about developing my business plan on uh, my return flights back to Singapore was that I started to think about myself and the way I like to work. And I really wanted to embrace my quiet nature. And it just happened to be that on one of those Sunday nights at the airport, I picked up uh, Susan Cain's book, Mm -hmm. Quiet. And I didn't sleep that night. I just read it. It was fantastic. And I felt both alive, but I felt understood. And that's what really started me thinking that there are lots of other introverts in business. And the more I started to understand myself, the more I recognized introversion in other people. And I knew that other people may want help as well. So that's how I started the, the passion project. So uh, I both coach and do some workshops with, uh, with introverts uh, to really help them understand that being quiet is okay. Mm-hmm. And that as a quiet person, you can have all sorts of uh, wonderful success in your career. You can have a career in sales and marketing, for example, uh, but you have to look after yourself uh, and self-care is, uh, is really important and it's really important to embrace. And I use those words or that word deliberately, superpowers, your introverted superpowers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's a bit about my, my journey and uh, how I came to, to start that. 
That's yeah. lovely. And, and a beautiful um, a beautiful group to bring together of people, you know, and I, I love the fact that you picked up and I've read Susan Cain's book as well and it is um, a wonderful book to read and address that issue. But just to say to people that whole idea of it is okay to be quiet and I think a lot of the time and a lot of coaches that I have met um, throughout my career as well are introverts because they have that ability to listen and to really give that quality of time and space to their clients as well. Um, and they can they easily step into that role. Um, and I think, as you say, it is a superpower. It, uh, you definitely don't need to be the loudest person in the room. So, mm. But to use it when it's necessary, and I love how Susan starts the book, doesn't she, that she had to stand up and do that presentation and she, she just realised that it wasn't her. But when you need to be a bit more extroverted in your type of role, uh, as you said, your background in B2B marketing and sales is about talking to people and about being in front of people. But you can use it as and when you need it, but you can go to your quiet place and be just as powerful in that space as well. Most definitely. And for me, it's all, I can do that and I can stretch myself. I can mm. be an extrovert, but I can't be an extrovert for eight or 10 hours or two or three days. Uh, I need to know my limits and I need to prepare beforehand and I need to have uh, a way to uh, re-energize uh, afterwards uh, as well. Yes. Uh, and I, I thought I hid that really well. Perhaps I didn't uh, through my career, but I've recognized what's important to look after myself and others, uh, other uh, introverts. So uh, you can do it. You just have to stretch yourself uh, into that, uh, that zone, but don't stretch yourself to the point of uh, breaking. That's so true. So true. So that leads perfectly onto my next question. How do you step away from work and manage your self-care, Andrew? It's a constant battle, Gail, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> it's like most uh, small business owners, uh, it's uh, very easy to stay uh, switched on and uh, to work uh, six or seven days uh, a week. Mm-hmm. I guess one of the first things I did, and we've spoken about embracing my introversion, so I recognise that it is t- really important for me to take time to, to myself. Some of the other things that I've helped uh, for in terms of self-care uh, and for my self-care, uh, to step away, uh, things like just developing good sleeping patterns, or I refer to it as sleep hygiene, so getting good uh, regular sleep. Uh, I think that's really uh, underrated, uh, and mm-hmm. to me, that's uh, particularly important to, to do that. Uh, I really encourage uh, people in um, our position or my position to take the weekend off, uh, or at least take one day off uh, a week, uh, just to help you get through the next week and just to uh, bring about some clarity uh, in your thoughts and to re-energize yourself. So I try and do that. Um, For me, Gail, walking also helps as well. Uh, And no matter how big the problem is, at some point in a walk, depending on if it's a really big problem or a long walk, an answer can come to me straight out of nowhere. Uh, And so I quite often uh, reward myself uh, with walking and just thinking uh, and listening to podcasts and uh, just letting my my thoughts uh, flow. Um, So there's some of the other things that I I do, but I also put time in my diary for myself. I put time in my diary for uh, mental recharge uh, time, um, and that could be 15 minutes in an afternoon, for example. But I particularly put time in my diary to strategize and have problem-solving time. So every Friday morning I have uh, a strategic planning session with myself for two hours, and that's where I do my um, big-picture thinking. 
Uh, and that's one way that I can step out from the business uh, and reward myself, but also use that time to, uh, to think creatively and, and positively. So vital. So, so very vital. I love the walking the walking tip that you shared with listeners as well. It is incredible how much Mother Nature can inspire in us and she gives us that huge perspective, isn't it? It's that horizon in front of us that can, there's so much scope. There's yes. so many possibilities and when we allow ourselves to be completely connected to nature, we can just release um, those those hidden ideas that uh, are below the surface and they bubble to the top and then next minute, you know, sometimes I've been out too and you just think, I have nothing to capture this on. Quick, I need to walk home faster so I can quickly write it down because it just, you capture it in your mind and you just think, this is it, this is what I need to be doing and it's it's just, oh, it's it's amazing. It's an incredible feeling. It is. It's a wonderful feeling. It just comes to you, well, my experiences at least, it just comes to you straight out of the blue. Mm. You might be crossing the road uh, yes. or you might be two hour two into a three-hour walk or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I find, um, Gail, in terms of note-taking, voice memos is really helpful. Mm-hmm. So you can quite often see me walking down the street just talking to myself. Looks like I'm on a very important business call. <laughs> what I'm doing is taking a voice memo for myself. <laughs> At least it's not like the old days and people would have thought there's that madman walking down the road just talking to himself. At least you have Correct. a phone in your hands. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Wonderful, wonderful. But I think the message is so strong and I ask all of my guests because self-care is a key part of the the mindset coaching work that I do with my clients is to say you need to prioritise yourself because if you are burnt out and you try and work seven days a week, there's no badge of honour for an early grave. And and it's, it's just important because you clutter your mind up so much and there's just no more space. Mm. for any more giving inside yourself and it is just detrimental as a long-term habit unless you do step away and switch off and step into your white space on a regular basis. I fully agree, Gail, and I've learnt uh, that you cannot help others unless you help yourself. Exactly. Uh, that's taken a long time to figure that out, but yeah. I'm there. Yeah. That's good. That's good. And that's why we do what we do as coaches and consultants. It's about helping others. So, Andrew, could you please share with my listeners your three can-do tips? This was or is really hard to think about, uh, Gail. So my three can-do tips. Well, I guess the first one is say yes to new opportunities would be my first can-do tip. So no matter how uh, small or how daunting uh, they may seem, I found that saying yes more often than you say no leads to lots of great opportunities, great places, really interesting uh, people and lots of fantastic experiences. So say yes uh, to new opportunities uh, would be my first tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, my second, and this is something that uh, some of my clients talk about as well, is be yourself and embrace uh, yourself, both what's and all. Uh, and I think it's Oscar Wilde that actually said, uh, be yourself, everybody else has already taken. Mm-hmm. And I really like that uh, that quote. So especially if you're introverted, for example, just embrace uh, your nature and those superpowers that we spoke about. Uh, and then finally, from my own experiences at least, live and work in another culture if you can. Um, it's the ultimate personal and professional development uh, tool. Fantastic. And I think the world 
has become more accessible for us all to be able to do that third point more than probably our parents' generation and previous generations to that. Um, and with remote working and with um, not having to be location dependent for so much of the work that we do now with the online world, it uh, makes that so much more possible. Mm, it does. Wonderful. Thank you so much for those. And I really love the second one. I have a, a big poster on my wall that says, be yourself. And I always go back to the Oscar Wilde quote as well. So thank you for sharing those, Andrew. And my final question for you today is, why do you feel a can-do attitude is absolutely essential? Uh, sorry, yeah, I just... Um... Lost my train of thought there. That's okay. I think it just makes life really simple or really simply just more enjoyable. Um, I don't want to regret something that uh, I haven't done uh, and I find that a can-do attitude will help me push myself to do things that I may not have thought about before. But ultimately it just makes um, life enjoyable. It makes me, at the end of each day or the end of each uh, week or year, just sit back and reflect and think, yeah, I did that. Uh, and that gives me a sense of, uh, of pride and accomplishment. And I think that's uh, that's really uh, important. Uh, and I'm a big believer in from little things, big things grow. Uh, and a can-do attitude can uh, help you uh, start uh, planting small seeds to grow big things later. Beautiful, beautiful. And there's a wonderful forest of opportunity to come. So thank you so much, Andrew. It's been a really wonderful and enlightening discussion with you and I love the stories that you have shared with my listeners today and your corporate survivor, your start at 40 and it sounds to me that there's a book in there. It sounds like a great title, Start at 40, How to Run Your Business um, as a Midlifer. And uh, thank you once again for coming on the Can Do Way podcast and being my guest today. That's my pleasure, Gail. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Do you live and breathe a can-do attitude? Have an inspiring perspective, a life-changing experience, or intriguing story to share? Always curious and with an insatiable appetite for a good yarn, I invite you to be my guest. Do get in touch via my website, gailmgibson.com. The Can Do Way podcast, refreshing, positive and real.